Come on, let all God's people in unity say amen. 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 Love on somebody. Go back to your seats. Go back to your seats. But stay standing. Stay standing. Please stay standing. Stay standing. Stay standing for the reading of the word. Stay standing for just a moment. Stay standing if you're physically capable. Stay standing for just a moment. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. This is where I want to start this whole new series we're, we're beginning today. Colossians chapter 1, verse 12. I love how this starts. Giving joyful thanks to the Father. Do I got any happy people in the house? Okay. Any mad people, but you've still got joy on the inside. Oh, all right. Give joyful thanks to the Father. Why? He has qualified you. Someone say me. You came in here feeling unqualified, but God qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people, checks out, in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. His beloved son is the one who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. If you believe that, put your hands together and say, thank you, Lord. Come on, joyful thanks unto God. Amen. You can be seated today. You can be seated today. Thank you to our worship team for setting that atmosphere. Amen. Woo, hallelujah. What I want to do here before I, I kind of break down the, the first part of the series is I, I hate boring church. Please don't raise your hands and tell me you grew up in a boring church, especially if I was your pastor. But anybody else hate boring church? Okay. I hate boring church. I don't like to be bored as it is, but boring church is like, is this what heaven's going to be like? Oh, shoot. It's going to last forever? I hate boring church. I believe what the, what the Spirit of the Lord is there is liberty. And there's life. And so... What I love to do is, is uh, I love to laugh, and uh, my, my youngest son, Zion, and I, we have this habit of watching TikTok videos titled stuff like this, titled, How Dumb is Generation Z? <laughs> and stuff like this, we're doomed, young Americans know nothing. Give them that video real quick, Tiana, because you don't want to talk about it. You've seen you these know when the War of 1812 was? No. Can you take a guess? A guess? Gas station? <laughs> no, no, I guess when the War of 1812 was. Um, I don't know. Do you know when the War of 1812 was? Right, let's try this real quick. Let's try this real quick. Okay. Uh, Derek, you got some money for me, sir? Let's try this. Let's try this real quick. Anyone else like trivia? Any else like trivia? Any trivia people in the house? Thank, thank you, sir. All right. I, I, I need a young person that just wouldn't mind a dollar. Paxton, you want a dollar? Come here, my guy. Come here. All right. Come here. I'm going to give you a dollar for every answer you get right. Okay? okay? How many do I got here? Okay. All right, stand right there. Stand right there. Stand right there. So I can see Paxton. Look at this handsome young man. Look at this guy. All right, Paxton. How many stars are on the American flag? 50. Ooh. Paxton? How many nations border the United States of America? I don't know. <laughs> well, take a guess. <laughs> Two. Two. How many did you want to say? Seven. 
Anybody else? Come on. Anybody else not know that? Come on. Be honest. Yeah, don't lie in church. Two. Do you know what they are? No. What's north of us? <laughs> I heard your dad say, oh, Canada. <laughs> What's south of us? Mexico. Mexico. There we go. I got one more. One more. Okay, one more. One more. One more. How about this one? How about this one? Do Fruit Loops all taste the same? Of course they do. Come on, my guy. Give it up for Max. Come on, give it up for him. Wait, wait, wait. Paxton, Paxton, before you go too far, wait, right there, right there. Can you, can you hum while holding your nose? Come on, who, who wants to try it right now? Who wants to try it? Go and try it. Somebody try it. Try it. Can anybody hum while holding their nose? Is it pretty much impossible? I'm just having fun with you. I, mean, I just want to, to see you all still. Thank you for making me happy. That was awesome. We all, we all want to try it. Now I see some of you, like, you're going to be like this. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to try it when anyone was looking. How about a little Bible trivia? Bible trivia. Any, 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 any Bible scholars in the house? At least I love the Bible. I might not be a scholar, but I love the scriptures. How many books are in the Old Testament? Anybody know how many books in the Old Testament? 39, Rev. Get a dollar from Paxton, Rev. Amen. All right. 39. How many books in the New Testament? Anyone know how many books in the New Testament? 27. How many total? And what Old Testament prophet has 66 books? Isaiah, come on, somebody. I got, some, I got some Bible scholars in the house. Give that woman a dollar. Hey, man. Thank you, Ms. Tracy. What, here's the last one, last one. What did God say after he created Adam? I can do better, and he created a woman, right? Come on. <laughs> want, want. <laughs> kidding, kidding. That's not what he said. Here's what I want you to do. Just do me a quick favor. Right? You're going to help me out today. You're going to help me preach my, my sermon title. Right? Look, look, look around you and tell the smartest person near you this. I'm really going to make this hard for some of you, aren't I? Because shoot, if I look around me and I tell the smartest person near me, what does that mean about the other person next to me? Some of you are going to say this to yourself. So just say this out loud. Here's my sermon. Here's my subject for today. Don't be king dumb. Okay. Don't be king dumb. Amen? Amen. Let me talk a little bit about the kingdom here for just a little bit. It's family Sunday, so I know I've got kids in the room, so that's why I try to keep things a little more lighthearted, because uh, I'm trying to keep their attention as well. But as Americans, we, we're at a disadvantage, okay? When we, when we think about kingdom, we, we realize we don't have much knowledge about kingdom. Maybe our, our knowledge of, of kingdoms comes from what we watch happening in, in England, uh, if you will, uh, or... And he just fans of Disney in the house, right? Your, your understanding of prince and princesses and kings, and they all come from the Disney movies you watch, okay? And so we're just we're at automatic disadvantage because anyone not born in the Western Hemisphere, anyone not born in the Western Hemisphere, now I'm making you, now you're probably making you feel dumb. What's the Western Hemisphere? Anything west of Africa, okay? Any, 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 so we're all pretty much, okay, we're all pretty much born in the Western Hemisphere in some form or fashion, okay? North America, South America, those continents, okay? So this disadvantage that we have is, is we've been born, especially if we're born here, we've been born to what's called a constitutional federal republic. That's what the United States government, a constitutional federal republic. So we know democracy. What we don't know is autocracy, we, we understand a system of, of voting and having a, a voice and having an opinion. We do not understand whatever the king says goes. 
We, we don't understand that. So can I teach us Westerners just a few things here today? First thing I want you to know is this. In a kingdom, you don't get an opinion. In a kingdom, you don't get an opinion. I'm already offending Americans in the house. In a kingdom, I, we're used to our mama always asking us stuff like, what do you want? You used to, your mama always ask you, what, what do you think? What do, what do you feel? What, what, what do you prefer? Here's what I, I want to ask you. Do you really think the king cares what your opinion is about anything? Do you think the king of this book cares about your opinion about sin? Do you think the king of this book cares about your opinion about sex or your sexual identity? Do you think the king of this book cares about your opinion about tithe and offering? Do you think the king of this book cares about your opinion about whether I should stay home or go to church? Do you think in a kingdom you don't get an opinion? Here's why. Because you're still trying to figure out you. So who do you think you are to try and consult the king about your opinion about his kingdom? In a kingdom, you don't get an opinion. Here's another thing. In a kingdom, you don't even get a vote. Whatever the king declares, the kingdom does. This is how it works in a kingdom. The king does not make declarations and decrees and laws based on what we want. He doesn't make laws and decrees based on, on the, the political views of the day. He does not make laws and decrees even based on what the current culture demands as acceptable. Can I, can I tell you why Paul taught, taught us this? Paul taught us this in Romans chapter 12. He said this, do not conform to the behavior, to the custom. Do not conform to the culture of this world, but let God, the king, transform you into a new person by changing your mind, by changing the way you think. Why? Because the king has something better for you than democracy could ever offer you. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. What is his will? It is good. It is pleasing. It is perfect. I want more than just a vote. I want God's good, pleasing, and perfect will for my life. Americans were conditioned by culture. Whatever culture deems as acceptable, we feel forced to accept. Come on, right? Today, as of today, what does culture say about abortion? What does culture say about it? Because we feel like we have to accept what culture says. What does culture say about homosexuality? Because we feel like we have to accept what culture says about the homosexual lifestyle. What does culture say about unforgiveness? Holding things against people because we, we feel the need to accept what culture tells us. What does culture tell me about Jesus? Because we're conditioned by culture. Here's the problem with culture. It's always changing. <laughs> Certain things that weren't acceptable 50 years ago are, are now fully embraced today. Where will it be in 50 years? Oh, my Lord. 
That's the problem with following culture. Culture is always changing, but I'm here to remind you there is a consistent in this world, and it's called the Word of God. This bad boy was consistent before you. This bad boy is consistent during you, and it will be consistent long after you're here. Somebody help me praise a God in whom there is no shadow of turning, but he remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. Kingdoms have risen and kingdoms have fallen. Heaven and earth will pass away, but Christ promises us my word will remain forever. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. First thing is this. The greatest adversary to your life in the kingdom is not the enemy. It's ignorance. Come on, Christians. Let me speak a little bit of some things we're ignorant about. How, do you know any Christians that blame everything on Satan? My car stopped running. It's the devil. No, it, no, 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 no. You're just lazy and forgot to put some gas in your vehicle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how about this one? My bills aren't paid and, I, and I'm out of money. It's the devil. Nope, you just didn't budget. Ooh, he said the B word. How about this one? You've got a big project that you've known about for weeks, and it's due tomorrow, and you just barely started. It's the devil, pastor. Maybe. And maybe you're just the procrastinator. Whoo, I feel somebody looking at a teenager next to them right now. Maybe you're struggling with addiction again. It's the devil. Maybe. Or maybe you just need to put down the phone, put down the pills, put down the bong, pick up your sword, and get some truth. I don't know. I feel like I'm making some enemies right now. Why do I got to put down my bong, Pastor? The devil made me do it. Can I help you out? I've, what I've learned about the modern church is we give Satan too much credit. To new believers in the house, don't give Satan more credit than he deserves. I mean this. In case you didn't know this, Satan is not on God's level. This is why the Bible, what does the Bible call Satan? In 1 Peter 5, the Bible says that your adversary, the devil, roams around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Your adversary. You know what that means? That means that God has no adversary. Why? Because God has never had an equal. God has never had a nemesis. God has never had a counterpart. God has never had an opponent. He has no rival. He has no equal. Somebody help me declare today my God is above it all and even though I've got an adversary Jesus gave me authority and Luke 10, 19 power to trample upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of my adversary. He has no rival. I've got an adversary, and I've been given authority over him. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. So I don't want to give Satan any more credit than he deserves. But what I will credit is something I see in Scripture. Everyone say this term, darkness. Darkness. Throughout Scripture, we see this term, darkness, and at different points, it refers to sin. Darkness. At different points, it refers to, to something that is evil operating in darkness, but some of you have heard me preach this before. Darkness in scripture also refers to this thing called ignorance. 
So wherever there's darkness, there's sin. Wherever there's darkness, there's evil. Wherever there's darkness, there's ignorance. Which means wherever there's darkness, that's where Satan has dominion. Hmm, You've heard of the witching hour. The things that happen after a certain time of night. Where demonic activity seems to be at its, its most prevalent and powerful. Darkness is where Satan has dominion. Let me, let, me, let me say that a little bit differently. Wherever there is ignorance of God's truth, that's where Satan has dominion. Dominion. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says it this way in verse 4. It says, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they cannot see the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. What's made them blind? Satan has dominion in their darkness. He's kept them blind. Christians, I need you to know this. Satan does not mind you coming to church and singing your the key. To lo- loop that bridge 40 more times, Pastor. Whew. Satan doesn't mind you coming to church and hallelujah. Mm, get a little chill up my spine. Thank you, G. Satan don't mind you dancing. Satan don't mind you shouting. Satan don't mind you giving. Satan don't mind you serving. As long as you stay ignorant of God's truth, Satan doesn't care how you act in church. See, Satan's greatest weapon isn't what he knows. His greatest weapon is what we don't. Ignorance is the breeding ground for deception. Isaiah wrote it this way one time in Isaiah 5, 13. He said, therefore, my people have gone into captivity. Why? Because they have no knowledge. Let me give you my second point. If we go into captivity because we have no knowledge, then here's what you need to know. The, The very first step to defeating our enemy then is moving from this place called ignorance into a place called knowledge. This is how I defeat my enemy. Hosea one time laid out the scripture that we we quote so often, but I I don't think we grasp the gravity of this revelation. Hosea 4, 6 said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Not lack of shouting, lack of singing, lack of praising, lack of giving. We're destroyed for our lack of knowledge. So God says this, because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you. Maybe you haven't considered this, but according to this verse, every time we reject knowledge, we are actually rejecting God. And when we reject God by rejecting knowledge, God has no other choice but to reject us. Can you look at your neighbor and please ask them, don't be a reject. (laughs) Don't. (laughs) When... (laughs) When we choose to remain willfully ignorant of God's word, we are choosing to willfully remain in darkness. I don't want to be destroyed because I'm in darkness. Because that means wherever there is darkness, that's where demonic activity is happening. Part of the reason why I see so many young people caught up in demonic activity is because they don't know the word of God. They don't even realize they're in bondage. I know they love God. God, but they're ignorant of God's truth, and that's what keeps them bound. So if darkness infers ignorance, then light must infer knowledge. Knowledge. God says, my people 
are destroyed because they don't have enough light. They, they, they don't have enough knowledge. They don't have enough truth in this area. And that's what destroys them. Let, let me try this real quick. Are we, uh, can we bring down those lights for a quick second, Tommy? I, I want to try this. This is going to get a little dark. So if, you, if you're scared of the dark, then grab someone's hand right now. <laughs> grab it right now. I'm going to try this real quick. It's not going to be super dark. Okay. You're still going to be able to see a couple things. All right. Who's holding my hand? <laughs> How much darker can we make it, Tommy? Make it darker than that? I don't know if we can or not. We'll find out here in a second. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. When it's dark, it's hard to know where things are. Tana, can you go black on those screens too? Can we go black on those screens? Is that possible? I don't know if we can or not, but... I, I, I used to love playing hide and go seek with my kids, and I would always hide in dark places because I knew they wouldn't come <laughs> into that area. I knew they would. Daddy, you in here? I'm not saying anything. <laughs> I'm going to win this game, bro. <laughs> when it's dark, it's hard to see where I'm going. It's hard to find my direction. I, I, I feel like, there we go. I, I feel like I'm grasping. So when it's dark, I, I can't make out my, I'm going to be real careful now because this stage is dark and I've got black shoes on. Okay. <laughs> But, but ladies and gentlemen, this is the moment where you need to begin to read God's word. Because when I'm in darkness, I remember something called Psalms 119, 105, that says, when I know God's word, his word becomes a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my Somebody help me for just a moment in this place. Somebody help me declare in this place. There are areas of my life that are in darkness, but I'm ready to walk in the lights. I need some direction. I need some help. I need some truth. And so every area where I am dark, I need the light to shine. And when I know the truth, what does the truth do? You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I came to tell you here today, truth by itself cannot set you free. But the truth you know is the truth that will begin to set you free from the power of the enemy. Tommy, turn on those lights because I believe God wants us to live in illumination. God wants us to live in truth. God wants us to live in his word so that I know where I'm going. Your word becomes a lamp unto my feet. Your truth becomes a light unto my path. Jesus said like this in John 8, 12. He said, I am the light of the world. Ooh, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me, I, I love this, will never. Can you just shake somebody near you and say never? Uh, what, what does never mean in the Hebrew? Never. What does never mean in, in Greek? Never. What, what does never mean in, in Espanol? Ne never. 
He will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Here's what Jesus is trying to tell us. He's like, listen, I am the light of the world. Why? Because I am the knowledge, the light that the world systems need. That word right there, I'm the light of the world. That word world means systems. Every governmental system, I am the light. Uh, every educational system, Jesus says, I am the the light. That's why we got so many students in darkness because they've removed the light. I am the light of the financial system. I am the light of the family system. I am the light of the of the business system. I am the light. And if you need knowledge, you need the lights. And Jesus says, "This is what I am in every area of your life. That you have darkness. You need the light. You need knowledge. You need truth." But it isn't just like Jesus to never just leave it on that level. Some of you, you have it better off being a Jew. Because in Judaism, it only requires so much. But this walk with Christ requires everything. Something about Jesus, he always wants us to take it to the next level. Ooh. I love this about my Savior. He never wants to leave you complacent. He never wants to leave you lukewarm. He never wants to leave you at good enough. He's got greater for your life. And so what does he say? I am the light of the world. But then he, he, he takes it another direction, and he doesn't just stop at saying, I am the light of the world. Look at what he says in the Beatitudes. John 5, 14, he says, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. So Jesus is like this. Look, I am the light. But I'm going to invest in you. I'm going to impact your life. I'm going to infest your life so that you become like me. And now we are the light of the world's system. Somebody say, I am the lights. I am the lights. I am the lights. This Hebrew word, this Hebrew word that, 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 that is used for light is, is ur. Ur. I was like, wow, that's kind of a mouthful. I feel like I'm saying like, like a Viking. Ur. Skull. I don't know. Ur. I was like, okay. Ur translates as illumination. It's light. It means light in English, but it translates as, as illumination or as an agent, something that, that makes something else visible. Illumination. What happened at the very beginning? In the beginning was God, right? In, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We know that. And the earth was without form and, and void. And the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the face of the waters. What happens in verse 3? God says, let there be light. Let there be ur. Let there be light. And there was light. So ur means illumination. But the Hebrews actually also have a different meaning to this word ur. It also means this, not just illumination. It also means giving order to something chaotic. <sighs> the earth was without form. It was void. In other words, the earth was chaotic. So or isn't just illumination. It is bringing order to chaos. So when God says, let there be light, he's not stopping at just 
Thank you, Tommy, for turning on the lights. God is saying there has been chaos, but where there's been chaos, I'm bringing structure, I'm bringing order, I'm bringing discipline. So when Jesus says to us, we are the light of the world, you know what that means? That means you're more than just the flashlight, baby. You're more than just a little lighter during a slow song at a concert. Jesus is saying, you are my agent sent to this earth to put in order everything that is chaotic, every demonic power that operates in chaos, you put it in order. Every system that is chaotic, you put it in order. Every family structure that is chaotic, you put it in order. Every educational system that is chaotic, you put it in order. Every system of this world in business, in medicine, in in government, everything that is out of order, I am sending you as an agent to the chaos to put it back in order. I am the light of the world. For those of you who work secular jobs, especially if you hate that secular job, you're not there to make money. You can do that anywhere. You are there to be a light to the darkness. I carried mail for 12 years. You know how many times I told people I was also a pastor? And you know how many times people found out? For 12 years. Because wherever I go, I bring the light, the knowledge, the truth. It's on me. It's in me. I carry it everywhere that I go. And so where I am, truth is. Where I am, knowledge is. Where I am, light is. And I hated that job, y'all. But I brought the truth. You are there to illuminate. Not just to make money not just to make ends meet. You are there as an agent, sit to bring order where there is chaos. So the weapon we have to use in our battle against ignorance is knowledge of God's word. Here's my last point and I'm done. You're gonna love this. I've learned that you can be saved and stupid. Come on, somebody put your hands together and say man. Come on, don't act like it ain't true. Don't act like you ain't sitting by it. Don't act like you haven't been it. I can be saved. <laughs> and oh, we don't use that word at home. Cool, well, you're in my house right now. I use it. Look at your neighbor and say, don't know. I'm just kidding. I'm just, kidding. Yeah. just kidding. I can be saved and stupid. Pastor, prove it. Okay. Everyone know a guy named Peter in the Bible? Anybody love Petey? Anybody relate to Petey? I relate to Petey. One time Peter catches this revelation about who Jesus really is. Here's what he says in Matthew 16, 16. He says, because Jesus asked the question, who, who do you say that I am? And so Peter says this. He catches a revelation. He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. If we were on Family Feud, you know what we'd be doing? Good answer, Peter. Good answer. Come on, somebody. That's number one right there. Good answer. 
You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus even commends him for what he says. He said, this wasn't revealed to you from flesh and blood. This was revealed to you by my father. Good answer, Peter. You're right. You can be saved, Petey. But just six verses later, Peter goes stupid. Look what he does. Jesus tells the disciples, I'm about to suffer at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, the, the Pharisees. I'm about to suffer, and then I'm going to die, but I'm going to rise again. What does Peter do? He goes from saved to stupid in six verses. Verse 22, Peter took Jesus aside and began to reprimand the Son of God, the, the, the Word made flesh, the Eternal One, the Almighty Himself, the one who was born in a manger, the one who died on a cross, the one who was resurrected and lives forever. He pulls Jesus aside and thinks he's got a right to reprimand him. Anyone else ever gone from saved to stupid in six verses? He tries to reprimand Jesus and he says, heaven forbid, Lord, this will never happen to you. And I love what Jesus does. He turns to Peter, but he begins to speak to the culture Peter was buying into. And he says, get behind me, Satan, for you are a stumbling block to my destiny, to my purpose. You have in mind not the things of God. You have in mind the things of the world system of this culture, the things of men. And Jesus puts pity in his place. I can be saved and stupid. Most Christians in this place, we're not suffering from generational curses. Jesus broke every curse on the cross. You know what you're suffering from? You're suffering from generational stupidity, generational ignorance, generational dumbness. That's what this generation is suffering with. And then we think, oh man, I'm doing the same things my parents are doing because of generational curses. No, it's because your parents didn't teach you how to get out of it. Yeah, right. How to live in freedom. How to overcome it. Because maybe they didn't know either. And so instead of passing on generational blessing, we pass on generational dumbness. Generational ignorance. Thank you. What's funny? Thank you for laughing. I've inherited my dad's stupidity. Oh, it's not Bible? Hmm. Judges 2, chapter 10. After that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord, did not know the Lord, nor did they remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. Somebody help me for just a moment as I finish this up. Can we declare over this year that I am no longer going to allow my family to be bound by generational ignorance. I'm no longer going to allow my heritage to be bound by generational stupidity. Somebody help me for just a moment. If, if we're going to finally get in the light, if we're going to finally get knowledge, if we're going to finally get truth, then our children are going to live free. But if we don't choose in 2023 to live in the light, to live in the truth, then our children are going to continue to suffer from our willful ignorance. My God, I'm not suffering from generational curses. Jesus broke every curse. I'm suffering because I didn't have a mom or a dad or a spiritual leader who saw me struggling but wouldn't say a thing. Help me graduate from my stupidity to knowledge. Well, it's not my place. Why not? Doesn't the Bible tell me to, to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ? 
I, I didn't say I had to take it on, but I can help you carry it. I can help you figure it out. I can pray for you through it. Whew. Am I doing okay? I just, I'm raising my children in the most biblically illiterate time period in American history. So proud of my, my, my baby girl, my daughter. What she'll do is she's learning a different scripture every week. And what she does is she puts hand motions to it. So she don't forget. And so she's quoting these entire verses every Friday. She's got to come and she gets graded for it. And she's quoting these, these verses and she's getting the word in her heart. Why do I hide it in my heart? That I might not sin against God. Maybe I don't know right or wrong up front, but in my heart, I realize I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't watch this. I shouldn't say this. I shouldn't listen to this. Oh, uh, teenagers, don't shut me out right now, y'all. Come on, don't, don't, don't shut me out right now. So I'm not passing on generational curses. I'm passing on generational ignorance. And I need you to hear me. Whatever is not transformed in your life will be transferred from your life. Whatever is not transformed will be transferred. This is why mama got pregnant out of wedlock. Now daughter gets pregnant out of wedlock. Now granddaughter gets pregnant out of wedlock. This is why grandma and grandpa were impoverished. Mommy and daddy lived in poverty. Now I'm struggling to make his... I had great-grandfathers that were alcoholics, full-blown, didn't even know what sobriety was, constantly looking for their next drink. My grandfather could have started down that path. But then, light illuminated his soul. And a man named G.E. Becker in his 20s who was raised ignorant, third grade education, picking cotton every day for 50 cents so his dad could take it and go drink. Made up his mind somewhere in his 20s, I'm tired of this path of ignorance. I'm tired of this path of poverty. I'm tired of this path of alcoholic addiction. And he began to say, I need truth. I need knowledge. I need light. And a man by the name of G.E. Becker chose a different path than his father. And now, three generations later, here I stand, the grandson of my first pastor, G.E. Becker, who pastored my father, who was my second pastor. And now I stand here as a third generation pastor. And one day I pray, Zion or Justice or Ella or Evangeline will stand before you and declare the word of the Lord. Your family does not have to live in ignorance. Your family does not have to be bound by alcohol. Your family does not have to be wrapped up in sin and struggle. Your family can serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Come on somebody, put your hands together and declare it over your family. I'm fed up 
with Satan robbing my future. I'm fed up with the devil and his lies. Come on, stand to your feet and let the enemy know today, I am not passing on generational ignorance. I'm not passing on generational stupidity. Oh my God. Someone declared no more foolishness for my family. Come on. Someone declared over your family, no more stupidity for my legacy. No more of that. In the name of Jesus. Whew. Parents. My God. Parents, don't just give them Nikes. Give them knowledge. Come on, those things are 300 bucks and about to get creases in a week anyway. Don't just give them PlayStations. Come on. Give them principles to live by. I'm not saying don't give them one. I said don't just give them one. Come on, it's okay to have a PlayStation. Tell us about it. I'm not that legalistic. Don't just, when they turn 16, give them a car. Give them character so they're not driving places they shouldn't and inviting people they shouldn't. Give them character. Please don't let them grow up to be king dumb. Give them the keys to the kingdom of God. Here's the verse I want to speak of your family right now. Psalms 22 verse 30. Our children will also serve him. Let's try this again. Those of you who, are, who want to speak to your future legacies and break not only every generational curse if they exist, but break every generational ignorance thing on their life. Pray this with me right now. Our children will also serve him. Future generations will hear about the wonders of the Lord. They will come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn. All that he has done. Come on, somebody say amen. 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 With our hands raised real high in this place, I sense the Holy Spirit calling us today. Can you feel it in your spirit? Can you feel it internally? Something within you calling you from out of darkness into light. Come on, can you sense that today? Something calling you out of your ignorance and into truth. Can you sense that today? Tiana, give me, give me that verse from 1 Peter 2.9. I need to tell you who you are. If you don't know who you are, look on the screen because you've been ignorant of who you are. So look on the screen. I'm ready to remove your ignorance today. I need you to know your identity. Here it is. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a people for God's possession so that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I'm coming out of darkness into light, but not just me, my family coming out of darkness. Not just me, but my community coming out of darkness. Not just me, but the city of Aurora, the city of lights coming out of darkness into his marvelous lights with our hands raised. Father, I thank you that you are pulling us, drawing us, compelling us, convicting us out of darkness into this marvelous light. I want to open up this altar right now to every one of you that have been living in ignorance, darkness, and you've sensed 
Satan has had dominion for too long in my mind, in my home, in my marriage, in my finances, in my anointing, in my calling. Satan's had dominion, but today I'm exposing his darkness with the light. Come on wherever you are and join me at this altar if that's you.